0: 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1. And this is the further adventures of Elijah, the continuing adventures of the prophet Elijah. Elijah is one of my favorite characters of the Bible. When I say character, I mean he's he's a real person. We did some of the, uh, the neatest things, and he had some of the neatest things happen to him. And there's a lot we can learn from Elijah. He goes from being on top of the mountain to the bottom of the valley he uh, gets called out by God later on. There's all kinds of things. I'm preaching a series of sermons going through different things that happened to Elijah and what we can glean from that. So starting it up, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1. Now remember, Elijah, according to God, has called down a famine on the land. There's been a famine in the land for about three years. And God called this famine down through Elijah. And Elijah's been head out, being took care of by the woman, the widow woman her son. So God's by providential care, has been taking care of Elijah. So now it's time for that to end. And it came to pass, after many days, that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house, Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. So here's this guy. He's working with Ahab. Now, Ahab was over Israel. So this is not some pagan king. This guy was king of Israel. He knows knows God's laws, and so does Obadiah. But Obadiah is working with Ahab. He's part of his crew there. Verse 4, For it was so... When Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. Jezebel. Jezebel, the great Jezebel. She's Ahab's wife. She had took, she'd raised up the, the, uh, the religion Baal, wanted everybody to worship it. She took the prophets of God and was killing them and slaying them. And Obadiah, because he feared the Lord, he took these prophets and he was hiding them out. So Obadiah is doing a great thing for the Lord, but he's doing it behind the scenes. Verse 5, And Ahab said unto Obadiah, Go into the land, unto all the fountains of water, and to all the brooks, preadventure. We may find grass to save the horses and mules alive, that we lose not all the beasts. So they divided the land between them to pass through it. And Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. So Ahab and Obadiah, they split up. They're trying to find some grass so they can feed the animals because everything's getting so bad. It's been going on three years. Verse seven. And as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him. Uh Uh-oh, here comes Elijah. You know something good's going to start happening. And he knew him, and he fell on his face and said, Art thou that my lord, Elijah? And he answered him, I am. Go tell the Lord Thy, Lord, behold, Elijah is here. So Elijah says, hey, Obadiah, go tell Ahab I'm here. No, that's not going to work. Verse 9, he said, Obadiah says to Elijah, What have I sinned that thou wouldest deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom whither my Lord hath not sent to seek thee. And when they said, He is not there, He took an oath of the kingdom and nation that they found thee not. So they've been looking for Elijah everywhere. And they go into other nations and say, is Elijah over here? And the king would say, there's no Elijah over here. He said, well, make an oath to me that you're not hiding out Elijah. Man, Ahab's doing everything he can to get a hold of Elijah. Verse 11, and now thou sayest, go, tell the Lord, thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And it shall come to pass as soon as I'm gone from thee, that the spirit of the Lord shall carry thee, whither I know not, And so when I come and tell Ahab, and he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. But I, thy servant, fear the Lord from my youth. Here's the problem with Obadiah. He fears the Lord, but he also fears Ahab. He has a great fear of the Lord. We know that. That's what the Bible says. But it's obvious here in verse 12 that he also fears Ahab. Now Jesus Christ warned us about this. He, Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, "And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear, fear Him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell." Jesus Christ says, "Don't fear up oh man, you need to fear God, don't fear man." So Obadiah is what we're going to find out, and that's what we're going to find out in this sermon. Obadiah is, is, what, what is, is, a, is a great type of what's going on in Israel at this time. And Elijah's about to straighten it all out. Is that they got people sitting on the fence. you got some people that they are sitting over here and they like Ahab and they're trying to follow Ahab. And they got some people that love the Lord. They, they're following the Lord. And you got some people wanting to worship Baal. Some people wanting to do both. And they're kind of leaning on the fence. they got one foot here, one foot there. That's what we're about to find out. Verse 13, was it not told my Lord, Obadiah tells Elijah, was it not told my Lord that what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord? How I hid in a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water? So Obadiah is trying to say, hey, don't you know what I've done? I've done a lot for the Lord. And now thou sayest, go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here, and he shall slay me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts liveth, Before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And that's where we're going to begin this morning. We're going to begin with Ahab and Elijah meeting. And oh man, is it really, really good. (laughs) It's really good. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you so much, Father, for your words, Lord God. I thank you for being an amazing storyteller, Lord God. Father. I I praise you, Father, for getting this stuff written down through the centuries, Lord God that we can read this in 2020, Lord God, and glean from your word what we need to know, Father. And Lord, I pray a special blessing on everybody out here this morning, Lord God, that you might uh, build a hedge of protection around the heart, Lord God, that the the devil can't come in and take that seed, Lord. Father, we just want to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Father, we want to get to know you better. And get, to, and get to understand how we can be better for you, Father. Help us to understand these things, Lord, as we, as we read this story of Elijah and Ahab. Lord God, help us to glean out of it what we need to glean. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray, amen. All right, verse 17, let's see what happens. And it came to pass, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Elijah answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Here comes Elijah. Elijah just is doing what the Lord wants him to do, and Ahab goes, you're the one troubling Israel. There you are. That's exactly what's going on in America today. That's exactly what's going on in the world today. You know what the problems with the world are? According to the world, you know what the problems are? Christians. It's us. We're the problem. We're the problem. That's what they'll tell you. We are the problem. America's turned into a God-denying, Bible-rejecting, Christ-hating nation. And now that it's all falling apart before their very eyes, they've got everything they want. They've got the Bible kicked out of schools. They've got prayer kicked out of schools. They've got Christ mocked in every way. They make fun of Christians. The Christians are not leading this country anymore. The Spirit of the Lord has left this country, and it's falling apart before our very eyes. They turn and look at me and they say, it's your fault. (laughs) How's it my fault? History says the total opposite. History says when this America, this America was at the greatest it ever has been and the greatest it's ever going to be, this America was run by Christians. Christians were in church every Sunday and they loved the Lord Jesus Christ and they loved their Bible. And Bible was in the schools and prayer was in the schools. That's when America was at its greatest. So don't turn to me and say, hey, you're the trouble. No, I think you're the trouble. Look at at chapter 16, verse 33. Here's Ahab. Look at chapter 16, verse 33. Here's Ahab telling Elijah he's the problem. Here's why we have a drought. Here's why we're having all this. Here's why God's mad at me. Look at verse 33 of chapter 16. Here's what the Bible says about Ahab. And Ahab made a grove. And Ahab, the same man that just accused Elijah, Ahab did more did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. That's saying a lot if you've read your Bible. If you've read your Bible, that's saying a lot about Ahab, how wicked a man this guy was. And he turns to lot. Eli- there you are, there's an old troublemaker right there. And Elijah, being a, being a prophet of the Lord, turns right there and looks at Ahab and says, you're the problem. See that in verse 18? Go back to chapter 18, verse 18. He answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now here's a perfect verse to show you how important the King James Bible is. Now, some people don't like the King James Bible, and one of the problems they have with the King James Bible, the Word of God is, they say they don't like the thou's and the these and the ye's. Well, I'm going to show you right in this verse why those thou's and the dies, thou's and the dies and the ye's are very important. Now, let's read this again. And he answered, I have, and I have not troubled, I have not troubled Israel, but thou, thou is a singular of you. Okay, that's a singular of you. Thou. And thy. That's a singular of you, thou and thy. Thou, Ahab, thy, Ahab's father's house. In that ye, ye is the plural of you. See, in a, we, our English language is so de evolved that we use you. We we'll say, hey, you, come over here. Hey, I know you, you, come, you, we mean a single person. But you is plural, just like ye is plural. But when you put you in there, people, people in this, people don't know. They, they're like, you, what? the thee and the thou's, the thee, the, the thou's, and the thy's, and the thine's, those are all singulars. Those point out to a single person. So what he's saying there, he says, thou, Ahab, and thy father's house, Ahab's father's house, and that ye, who, who's that ye mean? Ahab and his father's house have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. And now Ahab has followed Balaam. He says, hey, your father's house and you have forsaken the Lord and the commandments of the Lord, and you're following Balaam. So when you, have that, when you have that written like that, that helps you understand who Elijah's pointing at, who Elijah's not pointing at, and who Elijah's talking about. It's important stuff. Verse 19, now therefore send and gather to me all Israel and to Mount, Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal four hundred and fifty, and the prophets of the groves four hundred, which eat at Jezebel's table. Uh Uh-oh, so Elijah's got something planned. What's Elijah got planned? Well, he's trying to gather all of Jezebel's prophets together. Verse 20, So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. They're all gathered at Mount Carmel. So Elijah must have some power over Ahab. Ahab has a little bit of respect for for uh, Elijah, because Elijah says, hey, get all your prophets and bring them up to Mount Carmel. So Ahab does it. What's interesting about Ahab, he's a weenie of a guy. Have you read the story of Ahab, how big a weenie he is? Now, if y'all, if y'all keep trying to come in here, you'll find out that, that Ahab, later on in the Bible, he doesn't get what he wants, and like a little kid, he starts pouting. He throws his face against a wall, and he's laying in bed, and his wife has comes over. What's wrong with you, Ahab? I didn't get the land I want. We're going to read all about that. That's one of the adventures that happens with Elijah. The point is is that Ahab's kind of a weenie. So uh, uh, whenever uh, Elijah says, go get those prophets, he just goes and does it. Ahab's used to being told what to do by Jezebel, who wears the pants in the family and the shirt and the skirt and carries a gun. And Jezebel's mean. There's a reason why y'all don't know any women named Jezebel. I mean, she's one of the most wicked women in the history, in the history of the world. Verse 21 And Elijah came unto all the people and said, Now listen, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Mm, 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 mm. Elijah has a simple question for y'all this morning also. Hey, if God's God, then follow him. But if God's not God and you think something else is God, well, then go follow that. But stop being right there on the fence. Stop sitting on the fence. You're like Obadiah. You got one foot over here helping Ahab. You got one foot over here helping God. Pick a side. There's nothing nothing worse than somebody who won't pick a side. And that's what these Israelites are doing. And you say, well, they didn't answer a word. When you don't give an answer, that is an answer. When I give an invitation to receive Jesus Christ and, as your Lord and Savior and, you don't re- and, you, and you're already not saved, and you know you're not saved, and you reject and you and you don't come down and get saved, that's you, re- that's you rejecting Jesus Christ. That's your answer to me. When I give an invitation and say, come on down and receive Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior, and you walk out the door, you say, Well, I'll do that some other time. Well, no, what your answer was was no. And I'm here to tell you, but it might not be another time. I've seen that over and over and over again in my life where somebody I know, somebody's young, you don't know, no, you don't know. Nobody knows what tomorrow brings, but you got today. So what are you gonna do with today? And his, his, he, he calls them out and he says, now how long are you gonna be on the fence? Pick one or the other. They got, what, now notice that he says, if the Lord be God, follow him. He doesn't say look at him. It says, follow him. Follow. You're walking after him. And God is leading you. So in actuality, either God's leading you this morning or somebody else is leading you. But you're being led. And they make fun of Christians. They love the mock Christians. You are just a bunch of sheep. You're nothing but a bunch of sheep. Yeah, but you know what? You might be a bunch of wolves, but you still got somebody who's leading the pack. You're just a bunch of wolves, but there's still an alpha dog in there. Everybody's being led. I just happen to be led by my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm willing to admit that I'm a lamb, I'm a sheep, that I'm a sorry, no good sheep that's just looking for a place to die. Perfect example, perfect illustration of that is a pig and a sheep. If a sheep falls down into a, pig, a pit, a sheep will sit there and cry, wah, wah, until the master comes and pulls it out of the, the muddy pit. If a pig falls down into a muddy pit, it wallows around and makes itself a home. That's the difference between a sheep and a pig. You got one or the other. You need to follow one. Some people got one foot here, and they got one foot here. And they're pointing both ways. I don't know which way to follow. Which way am I going to follow? And sometimes it depends what day they wake up. One day they follow. On a Sunday, they might be following God. But Monday through Saturday, they're following the world or whatever deity they've decided to follow that way. Elijah says, you know what? Stop being halted between two opinions. Make your mind up. Is God real? If you really think God's real, then why are you not following him? A lot of us will say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. Well, then why are you not living like you believe in God? Why are you halted between two opinions? See, if God is our leader and we're following God, we're not imitating. This is not an imitation. We're not imitating God. You understand what I mean by that? If I'm imitating Christ, you might be fooled to think that I am the Christ. I'm not the Christ. I'm following the Christ. In other words, if you come to me and say, Brother Keegan, I need salvation. I'll say, okay, let me show you who I'm following. His name is Jesus Christ. Go to him. He'll save you. I'm not imitating Christ. I'm following Christ. There's a difference. It's not an imitation. It's a follow. A lot of us... We're like that old stray dog. Well, like, go- like a dog that's gone astray. You ever been out there? You've been with somebody and they had their dog. They bring their dog over to your house. And you see it out there with their dog. And they, their dog's loose. And you, you, they're supposed to be following their master. They turn around. And the dog's running over there. And there goes, and it's following somebody else. And God, to a lot of you guys this morning, God's whistling at you. Whistling, come on, get it back over here. Let's go, come back over here. And a lot of y'all are like that old dog that stops and looks and, has his, and he just looks. And the, dog, and the Lord's saying, come on, let's go. We're going, let's go this way, let's go. And that dog will walk a little bit and then turn and look. Man, you don't want the master to get after you. <laughs> you don't want the master to get after you. I hate to, be, I hate to give you an I hate to give you a illustration like that, but a lot of us are just nothing but dogs. I wish I was good enough to be a dog for the Lord. Be faithful enough like a dog. That when my Lord's gone, I just sit on the front porch and wait for him to come back. And when my Lord shows up, I'm just wagging my tail. Oh, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. But a lot of times, I'm that old dog just running out, running out here, running out there. Here comes somebody else. I follow them for a while. And that. Why are you halting between two opinions? One foot in the world, one foot... Pointing towards the Lord, you might think if I choose the Lord. Now, this might be going through your mind. You might say, well, if I choose the Lord, I'm going to lose my friends. If I choose the Lord, I'm going to lose my friends. I'm here to tell you this morning, those weren't true friends. Then you might go on and say, well, if I choose the Lord, I'm going to lose my family. And I'll say to you, you might. But I'm going to tell you my experience, my testimony is God will give you a new family. God will give you a new family, a better family. And you won't lose all of them. You might lose some of them. But you won't if you lose all of them, God will give you a new family. I just read that prayer letter to that, that missionary that's over there where her Muslim parents denied her, beat her, totally disowned her. And then she got remarried and now she has a whole new family. And, and you know, she lost her mom and dad. You might lose them, but God will give you a new one. I've got many mothers in this church. I've got many dads in this church. I've got many brothers and sisters in this church. What would Jesus Christ say when his mother came to him? Have you read the Bible? Jesus Christ has all the disciples around. He's talking. They're having a good old time. And his mother's trying to get to him. And his brother's out there. And they say, hey, go tell Jesus I want to talk to him. And they go up there and they say, hey, Jesus, your mother's out there and she wants to talk to you. What did Jesus say? Oh, I better go, up and go see, uh, I better go see uh, the Queen of Heaven. I better get out there and go see the Queen of Heaven right now. That's not what Jesus Christ said. Jesus Christ said, who is my mother? Who's my brother? Who's my sister? This is my mother. This is my brother. This is my sister. That's what he said. Read it. Guys, when you start following the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit's in you, and you get around other people that have the Holy Spirit in them, they become family to you. So you're worrying about losing family. Don't worry about losing family. You're going to gain a whole lot more. I'll tell you you this. You'll gain more family than you want. (laughs) You'll have some brothers that you wish weren't your brothers. I'll I'll just say that, you know, but you got to love them. (laughs) You got a level. My main thing I hear from people when I try to t- I talk about Christianity, I talk about going to church, I talk about, talk about pick, doing the right thing. You know, they're, they're saved, but they're not living for the Lord. They're living in the world. They got one foot in the world. They got one foot for the Lord. And I talk to them, and the, 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 this is the main theme. This is the main thing that comes out is I'm going to not be able to have fun. That's like, li- like life's all about fun. But that's what the world's told you. It's all about entertainment. Well, I won't be able to have fun. And I'm here to tell you because I've been on both sides of the fence. I've been on the bad side of the fence and then I chose the Lord and I'm on the Lord's side of the fence. I'm not between two opinions right now. I've been on both sides. I'm here to tell you that you don't know what real fun is. And you don't know what real joy is until you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm talking about this is fun. This is joy that has no guilt, no shame. There's no sneaking around. It's just pure joy in the Holy Ghost. It's real hope. It's real peace. It's a real future. In Romans chapter 6, Paul says, What fruit had ye then and those things whereof ye are now ashamed? If you look back at your life and you say, Man, I was having so much fun. And you look back and go, well, A little shameful. A little shameful. A little shame. I'm ashamed of that stuff. I've never been ashamed of doing something for Jesus Christ. I've never been ashamed, like leave the church and say, man, I'm ashamed I was there. I hope nobody sees me coming out of here. I hope... I've never been ashamed. How long are you going to halt between two opinions? If Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Hey, you've got a free choice. God is good. God loves you enough to give you that choice. That's a loving God. You don't, have, you don't have to follow God. But don't pretend like you're going to follow God this way and then, then follow Baal that way. He says, just pick one or the other. Just pick. I like what Joshua says. As for me and my house, we're going to follow the Lord. <laughs> That's what Joshua said. Hey, y'all do what y'all are going to do. Y'all go on and do what you're going to do, but as far as me and my house, we're going to follow the Lord. Joshua says, me, my wife, my kids you going to make your kids follow the Lord? You bet your bottom dollar. When they're grown up, they can do what they want to do. And that's what they're doing today. They're doing exactly what they want to do. But that's between them and God. Yes. But when they were under my roof, and in my house, it was my responsibility to follow the Lord, and it trickles right on down. They were in church when they didn't want to be in church. There's times they didn't want to go to church. So I made them get up out of bed and go to church. Oh, they hated my guts for it. And I could care less. Because I'm answering to him. I'm answering to God. I'm not answering to some little teenager telling me what I'm going to do or not going to do. I want them to follow the Lord. And I'm going to show them an example of follow the Lord. And I'm going to show them an example that it's not always easy to follow the Lord. But we've made our decision. We're not halt between two opinions in this house. We follow the Lord. That's where we're going to go. Follow the Lord. And Elijah says, Y'all been in between these two opinions and the people answer to him not a word. Verse 22, then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now he's making a statement here that's not exactly true. Because later on, God's going to tell him, I have a lot more people that haven't bent the, nail, bent the knee to Baal. But what Elijah's point is, in this public arena, in the public where everybody knows, it is really literally, because Obadiah is not saying a word here, see. So in actuality, Obadiah and some of these other men of Israel that God knows about that hasn't been the need to Baal, they're not saying a word. And in actuality, Elijah's the only one publicly that has the guts to stand up and say, I'm on the Lord's side. is that what Moses said? Whoever's on the Lord's side, come over here. Whoever's on Korah's, come over there. Stay over there. But whoever's on the Lord's side, come over here. That's what Elijah says. It's me against all of them. It looks like an unfair fight, doesn't it? It is unfair to the world's eyes. You got one against 450. How's that going to work out? What's going to work out really good when you got God on your side? (laughs) <laughs> look at uh, you, you know the story, look at verse 23 let them therefore give us two bullocks let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on, a, on wood and put no fire under and I will dress the other bullock and lay it on the wood and put no fire under And verse 24 and call ye on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God that answers by fire let him be God and all the people answered and said it is well spoken It is well spoken. So what Elijah does, he gathers all these men together. There's 450 of them against him. And he got Ahab there. And and he's got Obadiah, all of them there. And he got Israel. And he's calling them out. He says, pick a side. He goes, I tell you what, let's have a competition. Let's have a competition. Oh, I love that. I love competition. But the, (laughs) the problem with this is it looks so unfair when you know that God's on his side. Now, if you don't understand what that means, did, did any, of y'all, were any of y'all in PE, any of y'all in gym class, where they split up the group and they're like, okay, we're, ha- we're going to play dodgeball. So everybody be playing dodgeball. And there was always that one kid that was the best athlete in the whole school. And he got on that team and you're like, oh, I, I want on that team. That's the team I want to be on. And you, he might get all the other bad players, but it's that one guy on that team, he's going to make all, that's God. When God gets on your side, you're not going to lose. You don't stand a chance of losing. When God's on the other side, it's not fair. So really, this competition that's about to take place is really not fair. Elijah's Elijah's bringing in a ringer is what he's doing. You don't stand a chance because God is the best in gym class. He's that guy. That's your God. He's that guy that you want on your team. You want to get on that team. You don't want to be the other team. You don't want to be the one that he's throwing the dodgeball at. You want to be on the team that he's throwing the dodgeball at them, you know. and you're laughing on the other side while they're getting pegged in the head. That's the God that we serve right there. It's unfair. It's unfair. I'm glad I picked God's side. Because you have a choice, right? Hey, pick God or pick Baal? Well, you're going to find out at the end of this story, you don't want to pick (laughs) Baal. And the guys that do, they're going to regret it. All right, here we go. Let's find out what happens. So the competition is this. Let me explain the competition just in case I read over it too fast. competition is this. We're going to make an altar. You get two bulls. We're going to cut these bulls for sacrifice. We'll put one bull on the altar. And whoever can, whoever can call fire down from heaven, whoever's God can bring fire down from heaven and burn up that bull on that altar, he is the God. Israel turns to Baal. Baal's people turn to Israel and they say, well, I like that. Yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do it. Everybody loves the competition. Let's see what's going to happen. All right. Verse 25. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first for ye many, and call on the name of your gods, plural, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal, from morning even unto noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered, and they leaped upon the altar which was made. Okay, so they've been going on for about three hours probably. And they've been chanting and doing all the incantations and doing all that. Well, they get desperate. Because remember what, 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 Paul, what Elijah said is, hey, don't put no fire underneath there. Why, why would Paul say that? Because he don't want that fire to be underneath there. And then that fire kind of rise up. And then they say, oh, look, our God did it. Because they're looking for any excuse to win. Yeah. So he says, no, no, no fires. Don't, don't put no fire anywhere near that altar. So they start chanting. And then at the end, it says there, they get desperate. But nor any of that answer. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. They start putting on a show. You ever seen a church that puts on a show? I've seen lots of churches like that. It makes you kind of wonder who they're worshiping and who they're not worshiping. They're leaping up, they're... Making a big show. They got all the lights. They're doing everything they can. They're, you know, they're, they're hollering and chanting. And there's 450 of them. Man, that's a show. They're putting on a big show. Verse 27, and it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them. <laughs> Ooh, Elijah starts mocking them and said, hey, cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he's talking or he's pursuing or he's in a journey or peradventure. He sleepeth; and must be awake. <laughs> so Elijah, he starts mocking them. Hey, guys, hey, maybe your God can't hear you. Maybe your God's went on a little adventure. Maybe he went down to the convenience store to buy some bread and milk. Or, or maybe your, your God's uh, fell asleep watching TV or something. You might want to be a little bit louder. He's mocking them. Now you know why I love Elijah so much. I like Elijah. And I like it that when John the Baptist came up into the scene, people thought that was Elijah returned. Because John the Baptist was a lot like Elijah. Told them like it was right to their face and mocked them. When they tried to put on a show to John the Baptist and they'd come down there, John the Baptist would preach repentance and they would come down there to try to get down, come down to get baptized. John the Baptist would point at them and said, Who told you to flee from the wrath to come? That's what John the Baptist would say. Who told you to flee from the wrath to come? Who told you? Mocking them. You know what? So many news organizations, movies, TV, every kind of thing you can think of in this world mocks Christians. And it's okay for them to mock us. Oh, it's okay for them to mock us. And oh, do they mock us. They mock us and they mock us about Noah's ark. They mock us about Jesus Christ. They mock us for being weak. and They mock us, mock us, mock us. But the one time, the one time that we mock them, oh my gosh, oh, oh, it's offensive. You're offending me. You're not showing love. You're judging me. You're not showing love. Guys, you know my attitude about that. I think that's why y'all are in this church this morning. I say mock away. <laughs> That's what I say. Mock them. I've mocked the Jehovah's Witness. They knock on my door. I'm like, y'all don't even believe in hell? You crazy? You crazy? You don't believe what Jesus Christ said? I'll start laughing at them. I'll out mean, I laughing. Like, what are y'all? You're crazy. What are you, Jesus Christ talked about hell. What are you talking about? They'll get so red in the face. They'll get so red in the face. I love it. Why would you want to mock somebody? To show them how stupid they are. Why do they mock us as Christians? Because they want us to feel stupid. They want you to feel like you're stupid and you're uneducated and you're ignorant. Some of the smartest, most educated men I've ever been around have been Christians. I mean, the smartest man I've ever known is is a Christian. I've ever personally been around. I mean, incredible. He was a Christian. But they want to mock you to make you feel like you're stupid. And I'm telling you, that's why I mock some of them. I want them to say, hey, you know what? You're not thinking straight. I mock you because you're stupid on purpose. The Bible Bible has a a term for it called willfully ignorant. That means that they're stupid on purpose. That means that they can look for the truth, but they don't want to know the truth. It's better for them just to deny it, deny it, deny it, because they want to keep living the way they want to live. They keep want to keep believing that this God is the way to go. Their God, not the real God. The ignorant, they're even ignorant of what they believe. That's why I mock them. They don't even know what they believe. <laughs> they don't even really know what they believe. You mock them. That's why if I get a hold of an atheist, i like to mock them about uh, the origin of life. You don't know what you believe. You believe in a miracle. You... They, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a miracle. I, I'm not arguing with anybody. That's a miracle of God. But so is when you, say that, when you say life came from nothing, that's a miracle too. I don't believe in miracles. Yeah, you do. You're sitting right in front of me. You, you believe that life came, something came from nothing. That's a miracle. Mock them. Make them think about it. Make them think. They're not thinking. Guys, the reason why you want to mock them is because the world has got them cuddled. Come over here. Oh, it's, it's yeah yeah. We all believe alike. Let's all hold hands. Kumbaya. We all those those nasty Christians over there. Oh, we all everything's gonna be okay. Don't believe anything they say. Don't. We, we, we're in this together, and, and we're not in this together. God's gonna to come in there, and bust them all up, and say, "Hey, you by yourself. Come here. I'm gonna judge you." Oh, well, I, I was just over here with this crowd. No, you, I'm judging you. Come here. See, they think, oh, we're going to be, and the Bible says, hand in hand, they shall not go unpunished. You could grab hand in hand and say, we're in this together. And God says, no, you're not. Get away from him. Come here. Each one of you, I'm going to judge you. You got to mock them because, listen, God, we need to wake them up. We need to wake them up. See, they've gotten so used to pushing Christians over and pushing Christians over and pushing pushing Christians over and mocking us and making fun of us that when when one Christian stands up and says, hey, listen here. They're like, hey, you're not showing love. That's not love. That's not love. Yeah, I'm about to show you some love right outside your head, you know. That's what you want to say, but the Lord's not going to let us do that. We do it with words. We do it with words. If you don't think Jesus Christ didn't have some of this same mentality, you don't know Jesus Christ. Look at Matthew chapter 23. Have you ever read Matthew chapter 23? Matthew 23, 23, let me sum it up to you like this. Matthew 23 is Jesus Christ. He points at the the Pharisees and he says, "Ye hypocrites, you generation of vipers. He calls them everything, but you can think of And yells at them. You you think they killed Jesus because he was nice? They killed Jesus. They want to kill Jesus because of what stuff he was saying to them. They didn't like it. And I'm here to tell you, when you start mocking these people back, they won't like it, but let them have it. They give it to us, all the things. Their God is stupid and no God at all. That's why I like to mock them. What was Elijah's main purpose of mocking them? Because they got the wrong God, and their God is stupid. (laughs) Their God is stupid. They make fun of me and mock me for a lot of things, but my God's not stupid. Their God is stupid. If you don't understand what I'm saying, you need to look into gods. And look into all the... You need to go, and, and I've done this. This is why I'm so brave about it. Why I'm so, this is why I'm so outspoken about it. Go study all these different religions. I've got, I've got a book of Buddha right underneath here. I've got a book of Quran right on my shelf at home. I've studied Buddhism, I've studied uh, I've studied uh, Muslims, I've studied Jehovah's Witness, I've studied the Mormons, I've studied uh, Catholicism, I've studied everything you can study. That's why I can stand up and say, hey, that's stupid. And you're stupid for not knowing what it believes. You don't even know what it believes. Your God is stupid. I got the real God. The righteous, the righteous are as bold as a lion. You know why I'm so bold? Because I'm on the right team. Remember when you are in dodgeball? It's real easy to talk smack when you're on a team that has the best guy. You stand by to him while he's pegging everybody in the head. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's what you get. <laughs> yeah, 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 come on. That's how it is. When you're on the team that's whipping everybody, you get a little cocky. That's why I'm a little cocky and why I'm a little arrogant. That's why I'm mocking people. Because that's I got the best God. And he wins every time. Makes you a little arrogant. Elijah was like that. And I don't need to, I'm not trying to turn this into sin. I'm just trying to say, guys, I know I'm a little too far over here with my mocking. I know I'm a little too far over here with the way I'm bold about stuff. I know that. I know there's I need to show a little bit more love. I know that. But some of y'all are way over here, too far over here. You're too soft. You're letting people run you over. You don't fight for Jesus Christ. You don't stand up for the truth. You'll roll over. You won't argue with anybody. And you're too far over here. You need to get somewhere here in the middle. There's, I'm telling you, I could sit here and run my mouth and run my mouth and run my mouth. But there's some people in, the, in this room. Y'all could say one thing and it would blow people away. Because y'all never fight back. Y'all never argue. Y'all never. And there's one thing you say, hey, listen here. Whoa, I've never seen them be bold like that for Jesus Christ. It's worth fighting for because the world is they're pegging us, they're beating us down. Somebody's gonna have to stand up. You gotta make it, you gotta make a choice. Gotta make a choice. Here he is, he's mocking them. I love it. I love that he's mocking them. Verse 28 And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. Wow. So, of course, they get so mad, they start cutting themselves. What's that a sign of? Anybody in here last Sunday? Was anybody in here last Sunday? What's that a sign of when somebody starts cutting themselves? Sign of demon spirits, unclean spirits, demonism. Maybe the possessed. Verse 29, it came to pass when midday was passed and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any answer nor any that regarded. No God showed up and no God was gonna show up because they have no God. That's why he doesn't show up. That's why no voice shows up and they're chanting and they're doing everything they can to get Baal's attention, but you're wasting your time. There is no Baal. There is no God. There is no God. There's only one true God. And you're about to find that out. Verse 30, and Elijah said unto all the people, now it's, his, now it's Elijah's turn. Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Now guys, there's so much great truth in that. And I know I need to hurry up and finish. There's so much great truth in that. What he is saying there, what Elijah's saying is, he's saying, hey guys, come here, come on, come on. Let's, we're all in this together. He's saying to Israel, hey, this isn't just my God. This is your God. And those people need to understand that when I'm mocking them and making fun of what they believe, I'm telling them, hey, you're on the wrong side, but you can come over to my side. I'm making fun of you so you'll see the truth and you'll come over here. And it's not because, it's not because I'm on this side. It's not because somebody else is on this side. It's all because this is, this is Jesus Christ's side. That's what makes it the right side. And he says, come on, we're in this together. Let's go, guys. You need to understand if you're listening to me and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ says, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. You know what Jesus Christ is saying that? When Jesus Christ is saying that, he's saying something like this to you. What he's saying to you, come unto me. All your problems will be my problems. All your troubles will be We'll share those troubles together. We'll do this together. That's so why Sister Winnie, Stevens, she would tell me, I don't know how people get by in this world without Jesus Christ. Because see, living this world without Jesus Christ, you're all on your own. But with Jesus Christ, you have somebody to share your troubles with. Share your problems. Share those storms of life that everybody deals with the storms of life. Jesus Christ will be there sharing them with you. Come unto me. Come on, guys, let's share this together. Come near unto me. Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. He doesn't use the same altar they were using. He makes his own altar. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. That's the twelve tribes of Israel. Verse thirty-two. And when the stones he built, and with the stones he built an altar unto the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. Two measures of seed. So he's making this big altar. He's making this altar and he's making this trench around there. And he's gonna, what's he going to do with this trench? Well, he's going to pour water in it. Verse 33. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. And he did it the second time. He said, Do it the third time. And did it the third time. And the water ran about ran around about the altar and he filled the trench also with water. He does it three times. Speaks to the Trinity. He takes the water and he drenches this whole altar with water. Pours the water runs all around that trench. He pours water again on it. He pours water the third time on it. See what happened. What's going on here? Back in the day, what they would do is they'd build an altar to a false god, and they'd build a trench underground. And in that trench underground, they'd come up under that trench underground, and they would do things from underground beneath that altar. They'd make the altar move, and they'd make fire shoot up out of the bottom of the altar. They'd do things, and the people would be like, Whoa, oh, it's God showing up on that altar. And it was just, it's all fakery. So when he digs that trench, that tells everybody there's nobody hiding underneath the altar. There's water all around the altar. Let's put more water around the altar. Let's put a third time, let's put some more water around it. There'll be no doubt in anybody's mind. What's going to happen? Well, this is when God shows up. Verse 36, And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, Let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. We're doing the words of God. We're trying to live the words of God. And that's what Elijah's saying. Everything I'm doing is by your word. Verse 37. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. He can do it. Are you following the wrong God this morning? Are you following the wrong thing this morning? God says, I can can turn your heart back to me. You can put your heart back on me. God can do it. He's done it in my life. There's a bunch of Christians in here that have gone off, that have led a backslidden life, and God at the end called them back. He can do it. We're the God of second chances. But that's a lie. Because we're the God of third chances. And fourth chances. And fifth chances. And sixth. I can go on and on and on. We're the God of chance after chance after chance. You messed up. He's ready to put you right back in the fold. He's ready. That's the God I. See Peter thought because the number seven is so strong. Peter said Lord am I supposed to forgive my brother seven times. And then you know on the eighth time I can kick him out and tell him to leave. No, no, Jesus said, no, I say to thee, seven times 70. Verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell, yes, and consumed the burnt burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord is. He is the God, the Lord. He is the God. Amen. Woo! They're all standing there. You know, some of them are like, oh, I've seen this happen before. You know, they get underneath this trench and all of a sudden, whoosh! This fire just comes descending from heaven. The glory of God comes down in a fire and whoosh! And it's so hot, it dries everything up and boom, like an atomic weapon going off. This isn't some stunt. This isn't some magic trick. This is the Lord God showing up. So much so, you don't have people going, oh, I don't know, I think I know how he did that trick. They fall on their face, they say, the Lord God, he is God. Mm -hmm. The Lord God, he is the God. Notice the, the God. There's many gods, but there's only one the God, the Lord Jehovah God. What's amazing about this in the end times, that's how the devil's going to trick the people. In Revelation 13, we read it together. It says he's going to bring fire down from heaven. The false prophet. In front of the side of people, he's going to bring fire down from heaven. Which implies there might be another contest. There might be another contest, and the false prophet of Satan, the Antichrist, brings fire down from heaven in front of people to fool the people. These people didn't get fooled. They knew exactly who did this. They knew it was the Lord God, and Elijah Elijah said unto them, "'Take the prophets of Baal. "'Let not one of them escape.' And they took them, took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Slew them there. Nothing good. Remember what I said at the beginning? I said, man, those prophets of Baal, nothing good's going to come of that. See, somebody could have warned them and said, hey, you're messing with Jehovah God here. Elijah's on Jehovah God's side. If you go messing with Jehovah God, bad things happen. I've seen it happen to, to, to Pharaoh and his chariots. That God took the waves and crashed it down on them. I've seen that God open up, the, he opened up the, the land, it split open, they all fell down to a bottomless pit. That God brings plagues, brings a wall down on Jericho. If they knew the history of Israel, they would not have been messing with this God they, if they knew better. So I can sit here this morning in 2020 and warn you about the judgment of God and warn you that say, hey, if you you, can, you got a choice to pick that God. you got a choice to be on that team, but it's not going to end good. It says that he went, took them all down there and slew them. Anybody on the wrong team is going to hell. Not a popular thing to say, not a popular thing to preach. That's why they get mad at Christians, because you think everybody's going to hell. No, I don't think everybody's going to hell. I think God decides who's going to go to hell. But I know out of his word, he says you better believe in Jesus Christ if you want eternal life. You need need that. And I believe his word, because see what Elijah said there at the end of verse 36? He says, I've done all these things at thy word. So these things I'm preaching about Jesus Christ and hell and believing in Jesus Christ, that comes out of this this word right here. I'm I'm just like an Elijah. I'm just telling you what the Lord's already said. It says, they say there in closing, it says the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. It's not enough to know the God. You've got to know him as Lord and Savior. you got to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The Bible says the devils know about God. The devils know in God. The devils know God and tremble with fear. You've got to believe in Jesus Christ. Lord. You've got to take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's not enough to believe. listen. Not enough just to believe that there was a Jesus Christ, that there was a Jesus Christ that's historical, and say, well, I believe that he rose from the dead. Well, the devils know he, he rose from the dead. You've got to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've got to take him as your Lord and Savior. you gotta ask him, will he, you got to ask Jesus Christ to save you. Just in case you don't understand it, I'll give you an illustration. My wife, I might say, Kathy would make a good wife. Man should make a good wife. That doesn't do any good. Until I say, will you be my wife? And put my faith in her to be my wife and take her as my wife. Then she, I'm showing my faith in her as my wife. It's one thing to say, she would make a good wife. i got to say, will you be my wife? And I want to take her as my wife. That's the same with Jesus Christ. None say, ah, oh, Jesus Christ, that sounds like a good deal. But have you took him? Have you received him? Have you asked him to save you? Oh, Elijah. Elijah's still got good stories to come. <laughs> and I can't wait to preach them. They get, it gets even better. Are you dealing with depression? If you're dealing with depression, I can't beg you enough to take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Or if you're a Christian dealing with depression, the very next story of Elijah will show you how to deal with depression. Because Elijah has one of the greatest victories in the Bible, and then he goes into one of the deepest depressive that a man or woman could ever go into. And he shows you how to get out of it. So stick with me there and we'll go through that together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray to you in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord God, I pray, Father, and plead with you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will move among us, Lord God, and if there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior Father, they can't think of a time that they have took Jesus Christ. Oh, they've heard about him. They know that he's come up from the grave, Lord God. They, they have enough faith to believe that, Lord, but they can't think of a time that they have just said, Lord, will you save me? Lord, I pray, Father, that uh, you would uh, speak to the hearts of truth, Lord God, and as we give this invitation they come down here and get saved, Father. And Lord, I do thank you for the healing you've been giving us in the church, Lord God. Thank you for the grace you've been giving. Some of us have been dealing with some Awful things, Lord God. We're going through some heavy storms, Lord God. But you've been there with us through the whole time, Lord God. You've been showing grace and mercy like nobody's ever seen, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God. We praise you, Father God. And Lord, we thank you, Lord. You're not sending fire down from heaven on us, Lord God. You're sending love and the Holy Spirit down on us, Lord God. Filling us with your Holy Spirit. And we can't thank you enough for the love and grace you show us. And Lord, we want other people to see that, Father. We want the whole world to see that, Lord. We want the whole world to be on our team, the team of Jesus. Thank you for loving us and thank you for taking care of us. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at indiangapbaptist.com. On the internet, it's indiangapbaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven